to see you this morning. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here, and uh, as Nick, Pastor Nick just said, we know each and every week it's someone's first time. If I hadn't had an opportunity to meet you, I look forward to meeting you after service, so thank you so much for joining us. Well, we wrapped up our series called It's Worth It 2.0. I loved this series because, one, uh, we got to hear from our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff, which I don't, I don't normally get to do on a Sunday morning, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love getting to hear from Pastor Jeff. Uh, but I loved it also because we really unpack these values that mark us as a church. But in a unique way, we recognize that it's not just values as a church. They really apply to our life. And it was so exciting and encouraging to see how you took steps and how you engaged in new ways and new levels and just hearing the stories of what God did, whether it's through small group, whether it's you taking the next step and going, okay, I want to learn a little bit more about generosity. I want to live a generous life or, or I want to understand what it means to be discipled and discipleship. What does that look like? Last week, okay, the Holy Spirit, this is kind of new to me. It, it helped me see and understand the person of the Holy Spirit in a different way. Whatever it was, each one of you were taking steps at some level. Now, I know for some of you, as I said, this may be your first weekend with us. And so this is all new to you. And what I want to talk to you about today is what's next. Whether you've been with us for It's Worth It 2.0 or whether this is your first time, we all have next steps. And, and when you think about stepping into something new, you think about next steps. It's kind of like, have you ever tried, like think about trying something new. You ever tried something new? You're like, you get a wild hair. You're like, I'm going to take a figure skating. Sounds like a good idea. Let's, let's do that, okay? Whatever it may be, you know, you, you, get, you get a vision for it. You know, if you're like me, if I get into something, the problem is sometimes I'll be like, hey, let, like pickleball. That's like taking over the world by storm. But apparently it's been around forever. Like people be like, come play pickleball. I'm like, I want to, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to get all into it. If there's pickleball shoes, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get top end paddle because I want to win. I don't play for fun. I play to win. Okay, we're going to dominate, we're going to get in there, and I'm like, i got to slow down, because I, I can only get into so many things. But you get into it, you get a little vision, you get excitement, you're like, you got a, you got a picture of what it's going to look like. You're like, I can't wait to make progress and just see myself come to being, wh whatever it is, pickleball champion of the world, you know, I don't know, whatever it may be. Well, I had that experience last Sunday afternoon. You know, we, we have, we got a couple of dogs, a little dog, and then, and then we finally, thank God, I'm the dad of three beautiful little princesses, and, and, and our other little dog is a girl dog, and I've got my beautiful wife, Wendy, and so I'm just, lots of estrogen in the home. I was like, we need, we need a little, I need, I need a male companion, man's best friend. So we got, a, we got another dog, he's a, he's a Labradoodle, his name's Cooper. All right, so we got Cooper, Cooper's a little puppy. Well, I don't know if you've ever taken your dog to the groomer, that's a, you need a full-on mortgage to pay for that. I mean, I'm like, what are these people charging for? I don't know, you know. So we decided. I got a little vision. I said, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go ahead and groom our own dogs. We're going to do that. It sounds like a good idea. So Wendy had already done Rue, kind of first time out. It, you know, it went about as you expected. You're kind of like, man, that dog, babe, she got the mange. What's happening? You know, but hey. Wendy gave it a shot. Rue's a little easier to handle. She's small. Last afternoon or last Sunday in the afternoon, Cowboys had played an early game. I mean, no one else on. I really want to watch. So I was like, babe, let's let's groom Cooper. I got a business. It's a good idea. So I said, like, all right, we get Cooper outside. He's a good dog. He's pretty obedient, but he's bigger, you know. And so we we. Pick him up. And, we, and so we, I had a vision. This is what it's going to look like. I mean, this brother going to look, he's he going to be the man when we get done. Just powerful. Just big old, just, I don't know, just powerful 
Labrador. I don't know what I thought, but I had this vision in my mind, you know. Give him a big, like, you know, chain, you know, collar. I don't know. Just make him look. Well, we get in. We start about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I remind you, remember, you have a vision. You have a picture what this is going to look like, okay? How many ever started something new? It didn't really go as planned. Do you know what I'm saying? So about 8 o'clock at night, we're still going. I had to get headlamps out. I'm like, how are we doing? Cooper's black. You know, I can't see. So we really didn't know how it kind of worked out to the next morning. We're kind of like, I think we missed a few spots. And <laughs> we got real crazy on a couple spots. Brother looked like he got in a fight with a raccoon. I don't know what happened. I mean, it's, it's, you know, and you think about that, and it's like, okay, that's funny. Maybe you haven't tried to groom your own dogs. You don't want us grooming your dogs. That's just a note, note to you, okay? There's, we all have a lane. I've got a lane. You're like, Pastor Chris, stay in your lane. Grooming dogs is not my lane. And the truth is, it was my idea, all right? And so you, you, you got all this stuff, but you think about that principle. It applies to life. There's things that you ventured into. You, you stepped out into, and you, you said, I want to give this a shot. And seemingly, things may not have transpired how you thought they would. I want you to open up your Bibles, Mark chapter 1, and then we're going to go to Mark chapter 4. So we're going to stay in the first part of the book of Mark. And, and my hope for you today, my prayer for you, is this, is that you would begin to recognize what begins to transpire as we venture into new things. See, when we try new things, we're excited. We have a vision. We, we, we have progress in our mind. We want to make progress. We want to move forward. Right? Well, there is no progress without process. And, and every progress, every, everything you venture into that, has a, that, that you want progress in, it's going to require a process. And every process will produce progress, good or bad. It's all dictated on the direction that you're facing. Because the word progress actually means forward or onward motion in a direction. Doesn't necessarily mean it's the direction you want to go. See, some of you over the last few months, maybe even today, maybe this is your first time you came in today, someone invited you. Maybe there's things that have been going on that have challenged or encouraged you, spurred you on to go, hey, we want to start going to church. I want, I want to bring the family in. I want, I want our family to go to church, whatever it may be. Maybe you've been a part of Milestone for quite some time. And, and you've, been, you've been taking steps and growing wherever you may be, whatever position you may be in, there's a direction that you're moving. Some of you, maybe you've been moving in the direction you've wanted to. And if you're going to keep moving in that direction, can I tell you there's a process. Maybe you're recognizing, I'm not moving in the direction I want to go. You see, it's your direction, not your intention, that determines your destination. So if you're not moving in the direction you want to go, you make an adjustment, you course correct, and you have to take steps and you'll begin to see progress. See, I like progress. I don't know about you, I'm a progress-oriented guy, you know. Even in things that I do, I like mowing the yard. You want to know why? Because I can see progress, right? I like washing dishes because I can see progress. I like vacuuming, a little therapeutic, you know. It's like I can see progress. I like progress. I want to know. That's the thing about progress, the unique thing about progress is you can see it's measurable. You can, it, 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 you can see how you're progressing. It varies. But, but the other unique thing about progress, it all starts with a yes. What are you going to say yes to? What have you been saying yes to? What do you need to continue to say yes to? And that's, that's really what I want to talk about today. 
I just want to encourage you. Some of you have been saying yes to some things. And you begin to see progress in your relationship with God and developing relationship with other people. you got to keep saying yes. There are areas in your life where you recognize, I'm not moving in the direction I want. I want to end up here. I want to end up in this place, in my marriage, in my family, in my relationship with God. But, but you're starting to recognize you're not moving in that direction. Because if you're headed north on I-35, but you want to end up in Austin, it doesn't matter how much you want to end up in Austin, you're facing the wrong direction. So you got to adjust. And so as you begin to do that, you begin to recognize that as you start making progress and moving forward, there's things that you didn't realize were going to be there that start impacting your life. And, and I, as I think of that, I'm reminded of Jesus and the disciples. How many know the disciples experienced some things they didn't realize they were going to experience? And so I want to look at Mark chapter 1. I want to look at where it all begins, really, and, and how it all started. And what God was doing and how he was working and, and his relationship with the disciples. So let's look. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. You can look. Find this in your Bible. You can look online. If you don't have your Bible, you can read along on the screens. We'll have it up there for you. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Now, make note of that. This was their occupation. I'm going to explain a little bit of that uh, later and, and, and how that ties into what we're going to read in, in chapter 4. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending the nets, and immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So here he is. He, he said, follow me. It's seemingly just this simple request. And what did they say? They said, yes. They dropped everything. Now, now, some would speculate, and even scholars would speculate, part of the reason that they dropped everything, whether they knew he was a Messiah or not, there's a reason why they were fishing. You see, at that time, as you were schooled as a young man, you were educated. And as you progressed in education, in your knowledge and understanding of what was called the book of Moses, the law of Moses, also known as the Torah, first five books of the Bible, you learned it, you memorized it. As you did that, depending on how proficient you were, you would move to the next level of education. Well, once you hit a certain point, if you weren't essentially smart enough, good enough, to be able to be perhaps a teacher of the law, continue in your education of the law, they sent you home to learn a trade. And typically the trade that you learned was whatever it was that your father did. So these young men were fishing, and that's the thing. They were young men. It's thought they were probably between the ages of 15 and 17, 14 and 17. They were teenagers. Jesus finds them, and he says, follow me, and they do. They follow they say, okay, yes, I, I, I'm going to follow. It, it, it wasn't their education. It wasn't their status. It wasn't how well they were, how, you know, their accomplishments. Jesus simply said, follow. Will you follow? They said, yes. And the way that Jesus calls the disciples is the same way he calls to you and me. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have all the things figured out. You don't have to. He's just simply saying, will you follow? The question is not will you follow solely. Not, or the question is not just will he ask you. The question is what will your response be? Will you say yes? Will, will you take that step? So now let's, let's fast forward. I want to give you a little context because we're going to look at Mark chapter 4. 
Because there's some things that transpire in the disciples' life between chapter 1 where we just read in verse 16 and chapter 4 where we're going to read in verse 35. Jesus has called them. They're following. He's teaching them. He's giving perspective. He's speaking in parables. And in in these parables, there's parables about you're, you're a light into the world. Parables about the sower. Parables about the seed. Parables about being a good steward. Parables about uh, uh, understanding what he was doing and, and all these different things. And here's the unique thing about the parables. The Bible says that he would actually take them aside. He would speak the parable to the masses, but then he would take them aside and he would explain to them what that parable actually meant. So, so things for them are going pretty good. I, I think they kind of they like the direction they're going. They're like, man, I'm into this. No one really thought we were good enough. This guy said, follow me. We followed him, man. We're like he's telling them, like, here's a parable. And then on the side, he's explaining to us, man, I feel, this is awesome. I'm feeling pretty powerful. I'm with Jesus. This is good. Well, it's about to change. All of a sudden, their perspective is going to be challenged. This process that they're in, they're going to experience something that they haven't yet seen or experienced just yet. So we look at Mark chapter 4, verse 35, and watch what happens in this interaction with Jesus and the disciples. It says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. That simple phrase was about to change everything for them. Let's go to the other side. We like that. Let's go. I like that. Hey, Jesus, a road trip with Jesus? I'm down. Let's go to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with him, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. So there were other people on the water. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I mean, look, look at it. This one phrase. Let's go to the other side. All of a sudden, it's changed everything. They're thinking, what's going on here? Hold up. We're in the middle of this storm. There's a lot of uncertainty. Some of you are in the middle of a storm right now, and you're wondering and thinking the same thing the disciples are. Do you even care, Jesus? Do you see what's going on? What's transpiring? I want to encourage you and let you know he sees and he knows. He cares. He cares. Psalms 46, 1 says that he is a very present help in time of need. Now watch what happens as they wake Jesus up. We continue to read verse 39. It says, And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? You see, they had been seeing miracles. They had been hearing all these things. They had been understanding what Jesus is saying. He's explaining to them and building their faith. And yet here they are. He's going, do you not still see, oh, you of little faith? What's going on? You've seen me do these things, yet you doubt in this moment. Goes on, verse 41, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I think that's so unique. They just watched him calm the storm, and yet it says they were filled with fear. You recognize that that fear was already inside of them. All it took was a little bit of wind, a little bit of waves, and that's what began to came out of them. When the press is on, when the pressure's on, when you're in the middle of the storm, what is in you is going to come out of you. 
That's what happens. Pressure doesn't cause problems. It, it reveals them. What's in there is going to come out. When you're in the middle of a storm, what's going to come out? You see, Jesus in this moment, look at who he's with. The disciples went and got the boat. You want to know what? They, remember, what was their occupation? They were fishermen. What did they do beforehand? They were fishermen. I don't think this was their first time in a boat. It probably wasn't even their first time in a storm, but something happened. You see, they didn't have the right perspective of what was actually happening as they followed Jesus. Uh, they've probably been in storms before, but all of a sudden, here they are. Whoa, 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 what's going on? We're going to die. Don't you even care, Jesus? You see, for some of us, we start out, maybe we've given our life to Christ recently. We're like, man, this is awesome. God's good. Things are going great. My family's great. And then all of a sudden, something, boom, something goes wrong. You're like, man, I've been serving Jesus. I gave my life to the Lord. And all of a sudden, my life seems like a good country song. My dog died. My truck broke. My boots wore out. What am I going to do with my life? My, my favorite hat got sat on. What is going on? You feel like, what's transpiring here? See, I think what happened here is because they were following Jesus, they assumed they weren't, they weren't ever going to experience a storm. They're going, well, well, Jesus, you're in the boat. What's, what's going on? Why are we in the storm? Don't you even care? And sometimes we think as we begin to say yes, and as we grow in our relationship with God, and as we step forward, maybe you surrender your life to Christ for the very first time, we think, that means there's going to be an absence of storm. No. But you do have something greater. You have Jesus in the boat with you in the presence and in the midst of the storm. You see, what I find so unique is how simple it was for Jesus. It says that he said to the sea. Why is that so significant? Because one word from Jesus is greater than any human effort or strength or attempt for you to try and make it happen. I don't know about you, but I'm guilty. I resemble that remark. I'm going to lean on experience. I'm going to lean on strength, drive, willpower. I'm going to try and make it happen. But Jesus, one word from Jesus will change everything. One word from Jesus can calm the storm. And what was so unique, it was actually easier for Jesus to speak to the storm than it was to the disciples. You see, God can always speak to our storm, but he'd rather speak to our hearts. He'd rather speak to our hearts. That's what's so unique to me. It's rather than getting up and going, guys, 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 chill. Chill out. It's good. Calm down. I'm with you. I'm in the boat. It was easier for him to get him and go, peace be still. You see, Jesus wants to be able to speak to your heart in the midst of the storm you're in. Peace be still. There's things that he's doing. And so you, they said yes to Jesus, not knowing everything that was going to come along with that. You said yes to Jesus, growing in your relationship with him, not knowing everything was going to come along with that. You thought there was going to be no storms. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this feels like when I started serving Jesus, there's more storms. Now you're just more aware of it. You thought everything you went through beforehand was just normal. Now you're thinking, well, now i got Jesus. That makes me, like, you know, immune to storms. No, you have something far greater. You see, peace is not found in the absence of the storm. It's found in the presence of Jesus in the boat with you in the midst of the storm. I think about my own life. 19 years old, I had a choice to make. Criminal justice major at Texas State. I'd been raised in a godly home. My parents got uh, saved when I was eight years old. So I was raised in a godly home for, for, for 11 years. And yet all along the way, I'm trying to figure it out, do it in my own strength, trying to make it happen. Much like Allie when she was sharing her story. 
trying to find comfort and solace in other things, trying to cope along the way, and it only led me into a deeper, darker pit of despair in my own self. But I had a choice in that moment. At 19 years old, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I had two options. I could either choose his vision for my life, surrender to him, get in the boat, recognizing there may be storms in life, but I got him with me, or I just keep getting out on the water like everybody else and just hoping that I make it across to the other side. And it was in that moment that as I grew in my relationship with God, and from that point on to now, having, so I'm 44 now, having served Jesus for 20 plus years, here's what I know. There are times where I look at situations and I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know that he will work it out. I know that he is faithful. I know that he's in the boat with me. And no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, he won't just speak peace be still to the storm. He'll speak peace be still to my heart if I let him. You see, I was, re- I was reminded of that because we go through situations like that and you start thinking, man, okay, <clears throat> I'm in the middle of a challenging situation. What are the chances of Jesus showing up? Maybe it's a 50-50 chance Jesus is going to work this out. Maybe it's a 30% chance. I don't know. And it, it kind of reminds me of like the weather forecast. Anyone in here into the weather? You know, any aspiring meteorologists in here? You know, I, I kind of got a wild hair. I was like, I want to know a little bit about, about, about this meteorology and like these rain percentages. So, you know, it's kind of like I've got a black vehicle, right? So if I'm going to go get the car washed, you want to know the first thing I'm doing? Is it going to rain the next couple days, right? Because there's nothing worse than getting your car washed and then all of a sudden it rains the next day, right? So, so what do you do? You look for the five-day forecast. So I started, I want to know a little bit more about this. So I started studying. I, I pulled up this thing, started learning from this meteorologist, and, and she said this, this, is what she was saying. She said, you know, when you look at the five-day, 14-day forecast, the further out it is, more chances that it's going to change. So in the, when you read like 40%, 50% chance, or anything, there's a 50%, 40% chance that it may rain, but it's also a 40-50% chance. That's probably going to change. That, that's way out. But when you look at the forecast for today, Tomorrow, we're pretty dialed into that. So when you see us or hear us say there's a 30% chance of rain, that doesn't mean there's a 30% chance it will rain. It means there's a 100% chance it's going to rain on 30% of our viewing area. What? This whole time I'm like, there's a 30% chance it's going to rain. No, no, no. There's not a 30% chance it's going to rain. There's a 100% chance it's going to rain. There's just a 30% chance it's going to rain in that particular, in, in 30% of that, that particular viewing area. Can I tell you something? In the midst of your storm, there's not a 50, 30, 60% chance on whether or not Jesus is going to show up. There's a 100% chance he's going to show up. There's just a 50% chance it's going to happen when and how you want it to happen. That's the variable. He is 100% in your boat. He is 100% for you. He is 100% with you. He's not far off. He's not busy. He's not absent. He is with you and he is for you. And there is a 100% chance that he is showing up in the middle of your storm. And when you know that, can I tell you what that does? It brings peace no matter the circumstance. When I recognize that in my own life and as I begin to lean into that and learn that, here's what that's helped me do. It's helped me understand what happens, that that no matter the storm, no matter the situation, I'm choosing and determining to continue to say yes. God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but you're asking me. You're saying, follow me. I'm going to say yes. You're saying, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. I don't know what's going to happen. 
I don't, here's the thing. It's like, I don't even know how to swim, but I'm getting in the boat. Why? Because you're with me, okay? Let's go to the other side. I'm saying yes. You see, there's some significant things that begin to happen if we'll just keep saying yes to Jesus. And I'm so proud of so many of you. You've been saying yes. You've been stepping out, saying yes, growing in your relationship with God, stepping out, going to small group, maybe even going to small group with a bunch of people you didn't even know. You're like, I'm just going to show up. I don't know. This is an axe murderer, man. I'm showing up at someone's house. What's really going on? Is it a plot? They're like going to, you know, sabotage me. They're going to jump me. What's going on? I don't know. I'm going. Jesus, I'm saying yes. You're going to protect me, okay? You just have been saying yes. You've been saying yes to reading the word, growing. For some of you in your small group, you did a 20-day Bible reading challenge. Keep saying yes. Keep reading your word. Keep diving in. You see, there's some things that happen that are significant if you will keep saying yes to Jesus. Here's the first thing. First thing is this, is you're going to develop depth that you will draw from. We develop depth that we're going to draw from. When I keep saying yes, what begins to happen is every time we say yes, we develop a greater measure of depth. We're all drawing from a well. How deep is your well? The, the, the more you keep saying yes, the deeper you dig and the more depth there is. And what happens is you begin to build your faith. I, I think that's so unique. You know, people go, like, I want to grow my faith. I'm like, do you actually know what faith is? It's like faith is not faith in faith. Like when you say, I want to build my faith, if you've ever thought that, said that, murmured that, Can I tell you what you're signing up? Faith is the evidence of things unseen, things hoped for. You're saying yes to, I'm signing up for building a bunch of things that I have no idea how it's going to work out. That's what you're saying. Because your faith and trust is not in faith. Your faith and trust is not in a circumstance or situation. Your faith and trust is in the the, the author of the universe. Who holds the universe, the Bible says in Psalms, in the palm of his hand. You're saying yes to him. So when I do that, how and where do I develop depth? Well, first place we develop depth and how we develop depth is in prayer. It's in prayer. You see, when you say yes, you go, I want to pray. When I pray, I position myself to remember all that God has done for me. It reminds me of what God has done. And when it reminds me of what God has done, it helps me navigate what crisis is trying to get me to forget. No, no, no. God, you've been faithful before. You're going to be faithful again. I'm going to trust in you. Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians 5.16. He says just rejoice always. Always. Always rejoicing. Think about all the things you walk through. The circumstance you walk through doesn't always seem like it would, it would uh, constitute rejoicing. But he says rejoice always. He says pray without ceasing. Keep praying, keep leaning in, keep trusting God, keep building a relationship and conversation. Talk to the one who can do something about your situation, God. Because what's happening is he's not just simply changing your circumstance, he's changing you in the midst of your circumstance. That's what prayer does. Changes your perspective. And then what does he say? He says, give thanks in all things, not for all things. You're not giving thanks for all things because some of the things you're walking through are not okay, they're not fun. It's not right. Someone did something to you. Something happened. Unexpected health issue or challenge. But you can still give thanks in all things. So it's prayer that helps us develop and dig deep. But here's the other thing. It's the word. The word of God. You see, God's word doesn't allow you to bypass the storms of life. But it allows you and allows us to be sustained in the storms of life. 
Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Don't depart from this word. Meditate on it. Think about it. Mull over it. Day and night. When you do, what will happen? You're going to have progress. You're going to move forward. His words here, what is it? you're going to be prosperous. You're going to succeed. Again, we like progress, but we don't always like process. Because in the process, we start experiencing things we didn't know we were going to experience. Things don't go the way we thought or the way we wanted. And it becomes challenging. We're like, whoa, 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 I didn't sign up for a storm, Jesus. You just said, let's go to the other side. You didn't say there was going to be a storm along the way. But God's word helps me, and I dig deep. What, what happens? Psalms 119.105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp to my feet. I love that. A light to my path, the light, that path, it's the direction I know I need to go. The lamp is every step along the way. So I see the direction I need to go. I can see right around me. The challenge is I can't see everything in between. Now, if you're wired like me, you don't like that. Because if you're wired like me, then you got control issues. Because i got control issues. I like to know what's in between there. I want to know what is that path. But here's the reality. Every step I take, I'm trusting in God. I'm growing and developing my faith in every step I take. God's faithful to light up what's around me. But what happens is I don't know what's between here and there. But I know that God is good. I know that he's faithful. And more than anything, I know that he's in the boat with me. So no matter what happens, no matter if there's a storm that comes up out of nowhere, unexpected, I know that he's with me. I develop depth. I develop depth that I'm going to draw from later on. That faith that's built, faith developed in prayer and the word. When another challenge, another storm comes up, you want to know what I do? I lean into prayer. I lean into God's word knowing if he's been faithful before, he'll be faithful again. But here's the other thing. That, that that's really impacts our relationship with God, how we see him, how we see our circumstances and situations, and how we see ourselves in the middle of those things. But it doesn't just affect us internally and personally and spiritually. It also affects us externally. Because when we continue to keep saying yes to Jesus, what begins to happen is we build relationships we didn't know that we needed. We build relationships we didn't know that we needed. You think about someone, I mean, again, you know, you think about who you surround yourself with. You're going to have acquaintances, but who are you fellowshipping with? Who are you? Those are the language that you would see in the Bible, fellowship, acquaintance. You know, you're going to have acquaintances with a lot of people. Who are you building with? Who are you having a relationship with? Who are you spending a majority of your time with? They're going to impact you, good or bad. Good or bad. Think about someone who, who, who keeps saying yes to Jesus. They're different. There's something different about them. Because you even know some of their story, and you're like, man, they're going through this, they're going through this, they're going through this. But like, you know, you say things like, how are you so happy all the time? How do you have that? You know, it's not because they're not in the middle of a storm, because some of you, you know they have a storm. You want to know what it is? They keep saying yes to Jesus. They keep knowing that as I say yes to Jesus, I keep taking steps, that there may be a storm, but I know that he's in the boat with me. It changes the way that they have a different perspective, a different attitude, a different way in which they handle life and the way they process storms. We want to be around people like that. You know, when I think about, like for me personally, again, I've shared with you before my wiring, my personality. I love like coaching people up, helping people win. I like seeing them just grow, right? I, I, want, to, I want to help people get better. 
You know, I love helping people grow in leadership, win where it matters most, all of those things. And, and I think about the process of the development and growth. And, and a lot of that, when you study the science of it and rewriting neuropathways, when you study the leadership aspect of it, it's really centered around uh, a principle that they, 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 and a phrase that's used within that context called habit stacking. You start stacking the wins, right? You want to build a habit, you start stacking the wins. And, and, and the truth is, when you start doing that, you really don't know where you're going to go. You just know, I want progress in this area, but now I have to embrace the process of it. I think of a friend that we had. He worked on a team that I oversaw, and he, uh, he and his wife, uh, much like many of us men in here, our wives are the instigator of these really great ideas that he and his wife had, and they were going to do no caffeine, no sugar for 30 days, and they were really excited about it. And uh, he worked on a team that I saw, and, and his wife's name is Donna. His, his name is Tyler, and I walk in, and Donna, as I'm walking in, it's like 10 in the morning. I'm walking in. She's like, you got to talk to him. I was like, what happened? I thought it was like DEFCON 10. You know, I don't know what's happening or what's going on, right? Something bad happens. She's like, we're doing this 30-day challenge. No sugar, no caffeine. I'm like, okay. And, and he is not doing good. I was like, okay. I'm thinking like, man, maybe they're a week in, three days in. I mean, it's hard. You know, three days, you get in that first three days kind of like fasting. You're kind of like, oh, my God. You know? He comes walking out, and he's like, Pastor Chris. I was like, well, what's up, bro? Are you okay? He's like, this, I can't do this. I was like, well, what's wrong? Like, how long have you been doing it? Like, when did you start? Six o'clock this morning. I can't do this. This is it. No, I'm not, I'm not in this. I need caffeine, and I need sugar right now. We, we, you know, I'm like, you want to get somewhere. You got to stack those. We don't know. We don't know what it looks like. I want a new eating regimen. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, I want to change up my diet. You know, I didn't know I was going to be hangry. You know, it's like, what's happening? Well, that's all well and good. Habit stacking and growth. and But can I tell you what I love even more than that? Seeing God work and, and the impact of divine relationships. God joins you. Psalm 68, 6, he sets the lonely in families. He joins you to a spiritual family. You start building relationships. I've been reminded of this so much as we've seen small groups. So many stories that I've seen and heard from small groups. But I remember seeing this picture, and uh, it, it was really on social media. Someone celebrating, you know, kind of their small group. It's like a game night that they were having. And, and this is Keith and Sharon kind of right over here in the blue shirt and the white shirt and, and, you know, them leading this group and the fun that they had. And I've heard stories of life change and challenges. And, but here's what's so amazing. What I love about this small group is very few of them actually knew each other on a deeper level other than, hi, how are you, or perhaps serving on a team together prior to this. But as I heard stories, you started hearing how they're praying for one another, how they're encouraging one another, how they look forward to small group night and the relationship they're building. Why? Because that's how God intended it. You see, when we make a covenant to God, we're not just making a covenant with him. God joins us in a spiritual family, and we begin to build relationships we didn't even really know we needed. And they begin to pray for us and encourage us and walk with us and stand with us. And when I think about this small group, I'm reminded of an illustration I've shared with you before. I, I, every summer I, I do some backcountry hiking in the Pacific Northwest. And there's a, a, a type of tree that's found there in the Pacific Northwest. They're called the redwoods. And if you know anything about redwoods, they're massive. They weigh up to 500 tons, 350 feet average in height. But here's the unique nature about redwoods is on average the root system only goes down 10 to 12 foot deep. That seems unique in comparison to the height in which they grow. 
But here's a unique thing about redwoods is the root system grows out and connects to other redwoods. You see, they're, they're intertwined. They're their own tree, but they're connected. Their root system is connected. And as you study redwoods, it says that their root system not only provides strength for themselves, but it's also where they draw nutrients from one another. It's how they withstand the storms and the cold winters. You see, they say that not only do their root systems intertwine, but only another redwood is strong enough to sustain and uphold another redwood. You wonder why, man, I'm going through these challenges and I feel a crowded loneliness. Does anyone really know where I'm at? But you think about the people that you spend the majority of your time with. They don't have the same values. They don't have the same beliefs. And you're wondering, why do I feel isolated on an island? It's because you're wanting to move in a direction and grow in your relationship with God. But the majority of the people in your life aren't moving in that direction. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you cut off everyone that doesn't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, because guess what? God planted you in the environment that you're in. Guess what? To be salt and light, that's what the Bible says. To reach the lost, to be an example, to encourage, to pray for. So God placed you where you need to be. But it's understanding, as I said at the beginning of this point, the difference between acquaintances and fellowship. Who are your root systems intertwining with? When you say yes to Jesus, you start discovering God puts people in your life and provides divine relationships you didn't even really know you needed. But that's how he works. That's what happens when you keep saying yes to Jesus. And here's the third thing, and then I'm going to pray for you. The third thing that we experience when we keep saying yes to Jesus is we experience a greater measure of purpose, and we strengthen. We only strengthen our commitment to keep following. It's keep following. It's keep saying yes. You see, because that story of the disciples in the boat, here's what happens after that. Here's what, here's, here's what begins to, uh, to happen and what continues to happen when you look in the story. They traveled across the other side. When they did, they delivered a man who was demon-possessed. They see Jesus healing more and more, miracles over and over being done. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus walks on water. Then he invites Peter. Peter, come to me. Peter walks on water. Peter gets out the boat. That's a whole other message. You need to get out the boat. Start trusting God, walk in faith. Okay, you're like, Pastor Chris, you tell me to go walk on water. I'm not saying go down to Town Lake, try and walk on water. My pastor said go down there and walk on water. I'm talking about stepping out in faith, okay? That's a whole other message. Peter walks on water. There's more teaching. There's more parables, more miracles, more healing. Ultimately to what? Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and the birth of the early church. They had no idea all that was entailed into yes. But can I tell you how they got there? They kept saying yes. It wasn't just yes one time. Yes, I gave my life to Jesus. Yes, I did small group for It's Worth It 2.0. Yes, I was, you know, generous. Or I, I, I leaned into to building a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Yes, yeah. It was a continual process of saying yes. Because when you do, what happens is you only strengthen your commitment to continue to follow Jesus And what happens is as you do that, you develop and discover a greater purpose. But how do I know if I'm committed? Well, plain and simple, there's movement. I'm reminded of a story of a young lady. Her name's Jubilee. And last year, Jubilee was at Super Series and Elevate for the very first time. And so she got the courage. She prayed through and was believing for God to speak to her. She wanted to invite a friend, so she did. She invited a friend. Her name is Scarlett. Scarlett came, and Scarlett gave her life to Jesus. So then Scarlett 
And Jubilee got together and said, who else are we going to invite? So the next super series that came up in the spring, here's what happened. They prayed together. They found some friends. They invited those friends. Those friends came, and all of those friends gave their life to Jesus. Fast forward to this year. For, uh, I'm sorry, a uh, super series that we just had a few weeks ago. Those girls got together, and they prayed. They invited 18 young ladies. Well, actually, I think there was a couple boys, too. 18 kids from Dow Middle School that they invited to super series. 13 of those kids gave their life to Christ at Super Series. This right here is a few of them that got baptized last weekend after making the commitment saying, I'm going public in my relationship with Jesus. That's young ladies right there, seventh grade young ladies going, I'm going to keep saying yes to Jesus. Where are they going? They're going to be a lot farther than me down the road if she keeps living a life and all of those young ladies keep saying yes to Jesus, yes to Jesus, yes to Jesus. You see, when you say yes to Jesus, it doesn't only impact your life. You never know what's on the other side of your obedience. Jubilee stepping out in faith going, I want to invite one friend. Did she see 18 kids coming, 13 of them giving their life to the Lord and then being able to celebrate her friends getting baptized? No. She just said yes. 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 What can happen in your life if you just keep saying yes? I want to pray for you this morning. Some of you, you're in, in the middle of a storm. I love that song we sang. We're actually going to sing it again in a minute. And, and I want you to really embrace taking a moment as we sing this song in just a minute, letting God speak to you. But some of you, you're in the middle of a real storm. You're in the middle of a storm. You're in the middle of a challenging situation. No one looking around, just your eyes closed, your head bowed. You're not worried about what's transpiring around you, but... I want you to know God sees and he knows. You're wondering, is God, is Jesus going to show up in the middle of my storm? I want you to know there's not a 50% chance, a 30% chance, an 80% chance. There's not a 99% chance. There is a 100% chance he's showing up in your situation. You just have to surrender the fact that he may show up in a way and in a time that's not yours. He sees you. He knows you. He's with you. He's for you. But for the rest of us in here, all of us in here, really, not the rest of us, all of us, every single one of us, we all can say yes to Jesus. We all can keep taking steps. Maybe you're in here today and you've never said yes to Jesus being your Lord and Savior. You've never surrendered your life to Him, but today you can. As you're seated there, if you're far from God, you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Today you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt. As you're seated there, just praying to yourself, Jesus... I thank you that you died on the cross for my sin, my guilt, and my shame. And I thank you that you make me new. I thank you that no longer do I have to worry about whether or not you're with me or for me. I can know that you're in the boat of life with me. Because as I surrender to you as my Lord and Savior, I can embrace and receive the fact that you calm every storm I may walk through. And so today as I surrender and give my life to you, I know that God is my Father. Jesus, you are my Savior, and heaven is my home. I pray for, for us in here that whatever it may be, what is it that Jesus is speaking to you about saying yes to? Saying yes to, to maybe a greater level of commitment. Saying yes to building relationship. Maybe saying yes to continuing to read and pray and develop depth in your personal relationship with Jesus. Saying yes 
to forgiving someone who's wounded you and hurt you. We all have a place that we can say yes. Jesus, I pray that you would help us say yes to you. We would keep saying, we would live a life of saying yes to you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.